Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. If you're interested in multifamily real estate, but don't know how or where to begin, our guide on how to start investing in multifamily real estate breaks down everything you need to know about identifying good investments plus real world examples. Download your copy in the show notes or visit lifebridgecapital.com forward slash start now to start your journey in multifamily real estate. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Monique Ham. Monique is a founder of Real Estate Investor Goddesses. She is an educator and advocate for female real estate investors and has a mission to help 1 million women achieve financial freedom through real estate. Monique herself, a real estate investor and syndicator, and owns, together with her investors, over 1,300 rental doors across seven states. So Monique goes through some different things today about like how she shifted from multifamily into something else, into a different asset class. And so it's interesting, different people who have done that, just have been flexible, said, oh, I've seen an opportunity and said, you know what, I'm going to be open to that and I'm going to go make this happen. And she's done that. It's just interesting. She goes through different details about this asset class. We talk about some pros, some cons, maybe some risks as well for this new asset class that she has ventured into and some different ways she is pivoting in her capital raising abilities or how she's meeting new investors as well that I know is going to be interesting to you. Monique, welcome back to the show. Grateful to have you back. It's just incredible what you've accomplished and things you've learned, things I know you can share with the listeners today. And one thing specifically, though, I'm looking forward to getting into that you talked about before we got started was this virtual retreat. I want us to get into that a little bit, but Give the listeners an update on what's happening with you, your focus right now, maybe some growth that's happened over the last year or two. Yeah, great question. So I'm still syndicating, but one of the areas that we've shifted into more probably since early 2019 has been industrial. We're doing a lot of residential and I moved into the industrial space, which has been really, really great. Wow. So why? Yeah. So in late 2018, Early 2019, we sold a couple of apartment buildings that we had in Albuquerque, New Mexico. One in particular, it would be generous to call it a (laughs) C-class. It was like one of those buildings that we bought it because it looked like it was up and coming. It was a a new Starbucks and a Planet Fitness across the street. So there were a lot of signs that things were on the up and up. But we had shootings there. We had like a lot of issues with the homeless and drive like our property manager had a gun put on him. So there was a lot of things, right? It was a tough building. And we were actually kind of like pretty frantic trying to figure out it's like how do we sell this? anyway, make a long story short, a 1031 exchange buyer came in from California that our property manager connected us to. He said he was interested in buying our buildings there. We gave a good high number so we could get our investors good return, but there was wiggle room, right? So like we put it high so that there'd be room to negotiate down. Well, he took our first offer and (laughs) so it sold at a four cap in Albuquerque, New Mexico, this type of building. So that was like 
really great as a seller, but it scared the poop out of me as a buyer. <laughs> it's like, I don't like competing in this market. It's, it's really what, such a seller's market and great to be a seller in a seller's market. Not, I don't like being a buyer in a seller's market. So where else can I look? And so I started just looking at different asset classes and fell into industrial. And I saw there's an increasing demand for this type of real estate, even as you know, retail and office were hurting as things go more and more online. But online retailers, they need industrial space. They still need warehouses and storage centers and distribution centers. And there's R&D and there's food processing that happens. And there's a lot of manufacturing that still takes place. So there's an increasing demand for industrial real estate, but they didn't have the feeding frenzy that I was seeing in other asset classes. So we went in, very happy that we did. 2020 was a great year for industrial 2021 is looking pretty good. We have done three, three facilities this year. Awesome. So another one in the works. What kinds of properties are these? So it's like you say, industrial, are they warehouses? Are there specific tenants you're looking for? Give us the layout of the type of building. Are they all different? Yeah. So what we've fallen into is a very niche part of industrial called sale leaseback. So basically that is when a company has a facility that they're using and that they want to continue using, but they want to sell it usually so they can get the equity out to reinvest in their, in their property sometimes because of their tax benefits. There are a variety of reasons why they want to sell it, but they still want to keep it. So they sell it and then they lease it right back. They become the tenant. 20-year lease, triple net. So that means they pay rent plus all the property taxes, plus all the insurance, plus all the maintenance. So if there's a broken toilet, they fix the toilets. If there's an issue with the roof, they'll fix the roof. If issue with the foundation, they fix the foundation. So it's really nice from an owner's point of view. Returns are very similar. Multifamily, normally like 7 to 10% cash on cash. Annual cumulative returns, kind of like, high teens, so like 20% usually, and with way less moving parts. And we don't have to touch the properties, no rehab necessary. Yeah. And then what we do is we hold it four to six years and then we sell it to an institutional buyer, like an insurance company or pension fund and flip it that way. So we just season the lease for a few years and then sell it. Speak a little more to like, what would motivate that seller to sell that way? And I've heard of this scenario some, and, and I could see, especially even during COVID, if they have some equity, maybe they're needing some money too, or depending on what's happening, it could be a great option for them to be able to stay there. But anything else that would motivate them to sell? I was just thinking too, even as you're looking for these projects that could help you to know who to contact, but what's their motivation? Why are they motivated to do that? Yeah, great question. So often it's because, so they may want to take the equity out to Often it's to reinvest it back into their building. They want to update their facilities, new equipment. Some We had one where the company was actually being bought out by a larger company who wanted the business, but didn't want the real estate. So as in concurrence with the sale of the business, we took over the real estate. There's sometimes it makes more sense tax-wise. I'm not a CPA. I don't know all the logistics, but actually I remember I was talking to an investor and I often explain these types of deals and the investor is a CPA works for a major utility said, Oh yeah, we do these all the time. 
We've been doing a bunch of these because it's more tax beneficial for a company to be the to lease them versus owning. So they were doing that. There are a variety of reasons why they do it. And it makes sense for them to do that. No, that's interesting. It's just a different model that I think is not talked about a whole lot yet anyway. But I've heard of some people doing this. And so how do you find a seller like that? So often our team is one of very few that do it. So they brokers will reach out. It's often more that they reach out to us rather than we're looking for them. Okay. Awesome. What about, obviously, the tenant is your lifeblood there, right? What's your fears around that tenant moving out and then just having the real estate and no tenant? You hit the nail on the head. That is the biggest risk for us, right? Because it's a single tenant. And even though there is a shortage of industrial real estate right now, and we do look at the market, we also buy slightly below market. We rent it slightly below market to help with that risk. The biggest risk is that we'll lose that tenant. It's not every day that you have a company that needs 75,000 square feet of, of industrial space. So it can take several months, sometimes maybe even over a year sometimes to refill that space. So we don't want to lose the tenant. So on the front end, we do an extraordinary amount of due diligence on the company to make sure that they are very well capitalized, a very strong company, and they're not going to go anywhere. Because normally the only reason that they're going to leave that space because it's their space custom built for them. The only reason they're going to leave that space is usually because they go out of business. So we do a lot of work to make sure that they're a strong company. The youngest company we've ever done one of these with is, was 17 years old. We just did one. It's a 150-year-old company. It's on the publicly traded. So they tend to be they're very strong companies. But we also get their financials every quarter. And if things start to go downhill, we can see them monthly. We have some runway if things start to go south with our partners have been doing this for many, many years and thousands of deals. There's never been a default, knock on wood. So we've never had an issue with the company. Any more multifamily in your future or are you sold on industrial now? We did do a multifamily deal in Atlanta earlier this year. So if the deal makes sense, then we'll do it. It has to really make sense. Thinking through industrial and multifamily, I was just thinking through like preparing for some kind of downturn, right? And thinking through like a for multifamily, there's numerous things we could discuss. But I was thinking like industrial, I think even then it's going to go back a lot of the due diligence on that tenant, right? Anything else you can shed on maybe the due diligence on this type of company that it's going to be your tenant? Yeah. So we have all different types of companies. The industries really will vary, but... You know, what was nice over this past year and a half, those two years, right, is these companies that we were doing the sale leasebacks with, we're seeing their performance in this economy. We we're seeing how they were working in pandemic times. Mostly they are essential businesses. They're essential businesses. They're going all the time. But we've had a wide variety from this organic baby food and <laughs> to frozen pies to skin and hair care products. and foam parts for major goods. But we do look at not just the company, but at the industry. Where is the industry going? Like there was one that we were looking at. We just had to pass on because it was in newspapers. <laughs> They're doing newspaper advertising. We're like, I don't know how newspapers are going to be doing in the future. And I don't know like how the industry will do long term. I mean, people still want news, but newspapers... So we passed on that. So that we do consider where we think that the industry will be going long term as we're 
Sure. Speak a little bit to, I know you are good at raising money and working with investors. Talk to a little bit about maybe the mindset shift even for your investors going from multifamily to industrial. Yeah. So I have to take time whenever I'm in this invest call. And actually, when we first started to go into industrial, now our investors are more used to seeing this from us. But when we first went into industrial, we had to make the case like, why industrial versus multifamily? Because everyone understands apartments, right? That makes complete sense. <laughs> they have lived in them. They've interacted with them. They see the need for it. So you had to get people over that hurdle of what is this? And you know, is manufacturing dying in this country? Is there still a need for this? And so as we explain the use of where we see it in the future, even as things go online, industrial space is still needed. So even if retail is hurting, industrial is actually going up. And industrial is, as an asset class is real estate fared pretty much the best last year, you know, in a tough economy. So we just show them where it's moving and the trends and that there's still always this demand. But especially with this sale lease back, it's that the tenants already there. So it's not like we have an empty space and we're building something that we're not sure about. It's like there's already that there's a tenant there and they come in and they have a 20 year lease with rent increases. So we know exactly what our income is going to be. And we know what our expenses are going to be because they're triple net and they'll take care of any things that come up. So once people see it, it's actually not very hard to explain and sell. Did you have a specific way that you educated them or was it through series of emails or video or webinar? Or how did you choose to do that? So every time we have an opportunity, we always do a webinar. So we'll explain and we'll talk about the asset class in general, sale leasebacks, this particular business. So we always will have a webinar. And pretty much whenever I talk to you know a new investor coming on the list, I will always explain sale leasebacks to them because we do so many of them. And it's like, they're not complicated to understand, but they're not common. So if most people would see that, they understand. And I don't think people should invest in things they don't understand. And most people won't invest in things they don't understand. So I always take time to explain it, make sure they don't have questions. And usually a few minutes and they go, okay, totally get it. Yes, I see. And then I also explain when all of the dozens of deals that have been done, there've only been two deals where they missed or the projections, or they didn't like equal or exceed the projections. And both of those deals, they projected 16 to 20%, and they only got 15%. And most people are like, Okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's just interesting. I'm hearing more and more, I guess, about industrial, a few more people, but I've not heard many people doing the sell lease back. And I think we've talked about it a couple of times on the show, but not too many times. And so I just think it's an interesting business model. I'm just always amazed at all the ways you can get into real estate and deals, ways you can do deals, right? It's just incredible. And so I guess speak to before I move on, like you've been doing multifamily. How did you learn how to do sell lease back in industrial? Did you have a coach? Did you find somebody that already done it? How did you just jump into that? Yeah. So we had partners that that's what they've been doing for cumulatively for decades. So I am all about partners, the partnerships. And I always look for people who are doing what I want to be doing at top levels and work with them. So that's how we got into it. And it's probably why we got into industrial in the first place is because 
we were approached by some partners that we've done some multifamily deals with, and they were doing industrial. This was, they were going into their fifth industrial deal and invited us to join them. And that was what got us in in the first place. Nice. Now, I just wonder because it's a different business model and I would want somebody holding my hand a little bit the first time or two, you know? So that's awesome. (laughs) So you spoke earlier before we even got started about this virtual retreat. I was interesting that you and your husband are going on. Could you speak about that a little bit? I just think it's neat like you all are doing that together and maybe you can speak to why that's important. Yeah, sure. We're doing a retreat October 23rd and 24th called Real Estate Investor Soulmates. So it's for so mostly who I work with are women. So I have a group, Real Estate Investor Goddesses, and where it's a group of women real estate investors. One of the things that I was noticing is when women are in partnership with other people, when you're married, your money's married too. And so it's important that you're on the same page with your significant other when you are investing. My husband is my business partner, and we were often getting asked, like, how do you guys work so well together? And how do you raise kids, have a business, stay passionate? How do you do that? (laughs) So this is what was born from that, is this retreat. And it's not just how do you invest together as a couple so you make more money, but how do you go into this process so that it actually increases your love for one another? That's awesome. I just love the focus on the marriage. And if the home's not happy, the business is probably not going to be very happy either, especially when you're business partners, to say the least. So it's great. I love the focus on the spouse as well, whether they're in the business or not. They're so much a part of the business. They should be anyway. But tell me something else you've done recently that's improved your business that we could apply to ours. I'm still working on it, but we were getting a lot of people finding us either for the education business and in the real estate investors through Facebook ads. And if anybody does Facebook ads, you know that there was <laughs> battles between Facebook and Apple and Google. And so those ads became not very useful. So they were becoming much more expensive and much less effective. So we've been just going more into LinkedIn, doing a LinkedIn advertising game and also Google ads. And so we're playing with just different ways of increasing leads and doing more videos, things like that. No, that's great. Well, my next question is going to be your best source for meeting new investors right now. So can you elaborate on that at all? I mean, so you're saying Facebook maybe is not the best way now for ads, but maybe LinkedIn's have been a good focus. We're not doing ads for investors. We're not advertising that. So I'm trying to create this more for the education business, but a lot of our students do become investors. So when they're Students, they get first dips on our deals. But I think for investors, it really is just being out there and being on podcasts like this, speaking at different events, which has actually been very easy because everything's been virtual. So it's a lot easier to be a speaker when, you're, when you just have to pop into your office as opposed to hop on a plane. But I think that's really where most of our new investors come from. and. Obviously, we have a lot of our repeat people repeat, but our list grows mostly through just people hearing me and then reaching out. What's the number one thing though that's contributed to your success? The number one thing that's contributed to my success, I felt like I was given this mission to help 1 million women and families. 1 million women and families create financial freedom through real estate investing. 
And I'm just in service to that. And by listening, like, what is my next step in that to create that mission that I feel higher power gave me? So I think that that is just listening to higher powers will and being guided by that. That's what makes the difference. And how do you like to give back? How do I like to give back? I feel like everything I do is to give back, but we take 10% of everything that comes in to give to charities that we care about. So it's just in addition to, I think, my whole business being one of service. Awesome. Monique, always a pleasure to connect and I'm grateful for you sharing your pivot from multifamily industrial, not completely, right? Or just being flexible, I think. And I think that that helps the listeners to be flexible as well. You know, you don't have to be just in one lane as far as one asset class. And I think that that's going to improve your business overall, most likely. I think it will. Or just give your investors more options too, right? They're going to see you doing different things and you're going to have different opportunities for them. Depending on what their portfolio is and what their goals are, I think you're going to be able to add more value probably over time and just gain more knowledge as well. But how can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Yeah, best way is to go to my website, REI for real estate investor, goddesses.com. So REIgoddesses.com. We're also at REI Goddesses on most of the socials. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success. 